0: The New Liberal Arts is inspiring students at Hiram College. I'm Abby, and I'm studying
1: science, theater, and the art of communicating ideas.
0: The New Liberal Arts is helping students find their unique voice and become their best self.
1: I'm learning to think out loud, challenge myself,
0: and everyone else. It's building a 21st century skill set and mindset that prepares them for careers of the future.
2: I am ready to affect people's lives. I am Abby, and I am Hiram.
0: Learn more about the new liberal arts at Hiram.edu.
2: Welcome to Fireside Chats, 60 minutes of stimulating conversation with some of Northeast Ohio's most interesting entrepreneurs. Get the inside story from folks who have taken the leap and who are willing to share what they've learned, the good, the bad, and the inspiring. Fireside Chats. Real entrepreneurs. Real stories. Real learning. Fireside Chats are brought to you by the Center for Integrated Entrepreneurship at Hiram College. Be sure to look for our Fireside Chat podcasts where you can listen on your own time and our dime. For more information, visit hiram.edu backslash entrepreneurship. Now, let's get chatting.
3: Welcome everybody to our final uh, fireside chat of this semester, Uh, coming to a a close tonight. And we welcome all of you uh, viewing uh, with us via live streaming. And just to let everybody know, fireside chats for this uh, semester are now also available via either video or podcast. Uh, So if you go to our website, I'm back, um, sorry, backsplash, entrepreneurship, click on fireside chat and podcasts under additional pages. Uh, you'll find uh, the bios and the links to those. And hopefully, in a few weeks, uh, we will be available via the podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Google Play, and a couple of others. So we're getting that all set up. So tonight, Uh, We are privileged to have as our speaker, Mike Dougherty, who's with us. And uh, Mike is not new to starting a business. He's a co-founder of one uh, business called Breakwall Analytics. But he's really here to talk to us tonight about his newest startup, which is uh, Smart Mulch. Um, Quite interesting, quite fascinating. I think he's going to to, share with you some real valuable lessons in being an entrepreneur and what it takes and what you go through and uh, how you have to, you know, possibly pivot or change your way of thinking um, to get to the final product. So with that, let's all welcome Mike.
1: all thank, thank you Kay for the uh warm introduction. Again, my name is Mike Doherty. Uh, I'm the incredibly dryly humored founder of Smart Mulch. Uh, what I'd like to do tonight is give you guys a little bit of a bio. Uh, we'll get into the what we do as well as the why we do it. Um, and hopefully pass along a couple of lessons or some things for you guys to think about uh, as we as we get through the presentation. Um, So, I am a finance major, I graduated from Baldwin Wallace um, and did what all finance majors do when they don't know what they want to do when they grow up and I went into banking. Um, So I was a banker for about 15 years, knew that wasn't what I wanted to do for the rest of my life Um, and about seven years ago started doing some small business and early stage startup consulting. A um, little bit of everything to try and uh, understand how companies work, what companies have to go through as they, as they try to build a brand and a product. Um, that led me to uh, a couple of ideas on my own. As Kay mentioned, I'm a co-founder of Breakwall Analytics. We, do, uh, we design and develop our own sensors. We pull, we pull metrics out of the physical world, we visualize those, and then we provide insight to help you manage things in a better fashion. Um, Also, uh, again, obviously, founded Smart Mulch, uh, and and we'll we'll get into that story here in a second. But um, basically, the the what we do. um, So most people are familiar with the image on the left: regular bag of mulch, big, heavy, awkward, messy. Some people think it's smelly. Other people actually like the smell of mulch, um, for what it's worth. Um, But there whether you're familiar with the bag or obviously this time of year, we just came out of snow. I think I still have snow on the ground at our house. Um, so you probably haven't lifted one of these bags in a while, but there's a lot of backache and pain that generally comes, this, comes with this. So we intended to develop a solution to that that was lightweight, compact, making it easy to carry and, and allowing it to fit conveniently in your car so you could transport it much more easily, much more conveniently from the garden center to your house. Here's a before and after. Um, basically, what Smart Mulch does is as you add water, it expands four or five times the packaging size. So again, on the left, you can see eight tiles that were set into place. About two and a half minutes later, after watering, they expanded, uh, again, four times vertically. Um, obviously, you know, one of the things that we're, we're trying to drive home with this product, again, is simplicity its convenience, its ease of use, and really trying to save your lower back and making it more convenient to, uh, to go to the garden center. Uh, but no matter how well or not well I try to describe it, the, what I've found the best thing to do is uh, show you our demo video. So um, also, there's nothing better than a corny demo video with a, a startup. So we'll uh, let this play through so that is that's what we do again we're um compared to some of the other companies that you guys have talked with we're probably one of the earlier stage companies some of the companies you guys have been uh, listening to or talking with i know have been in business for three four five seven years Uh, we're much earlier than that still trying to refine what we're doing Um, and this story sort of goes back Uh, a fair way, actually. So um, I grew up thinking about waste differently. That's one of the big drivers for smart mulch. Um, And uh, as a kid, whether it was collecting aluminum cans and recycling them for money and buying baseball cards, um, or as we would pull hardwood dressers off the curb that someone was throwing away, we would fix them, paint them, and they would end up in the garage collecting baseballs, basketballs, or whatever. We always tried to see purpose in what other people were throwing away. In fact, my dad in the 60s uh, would, would pull TVs off the tree lawn, go to the library, get the electric, electrical schematic, fix them and sell them. And that's how he bought his first car. So again, this idea of viewing waste differently uh, goes back a, a fair way. Um, the start of this was actually driving around the city of Cleveland, which is where we live, and seeing a bunch of curbside tree waste and thinking, wow, a lot of this ends up being landfilled, at least in the city of Cleveland. There are some suburbs that are more progressive with what they do with that material. Um, The city of Cleveland landfills that, so I thought "There, there has to be something more purposeful to do with this instead of landfilling it. And had at the time read or had seen something about how when you compress wood at a high enough level, it'll actually naturally bind itself together. So with no additives whatsoever, you can compress wood and actually make a fire log that is more dense than traditional firewood and as such will burn two to three times longer than traditional firewood. So the idea came up, why don't we source this material that someone else is throwing away, chip it, compress it and make fire logs out of it um, and obviously sell that. So we took a few of these ideas into a business accelerator called C-Change, it was a social enterprise accelerator A couple of those ideas were we called the smart log because nowadays if you add the word smart to anything, it's sexy and it's technology driven. Um, In addition to the, the smart log by itself, we envisioned this idea of what we call a campfire to go. And basically a campfire to go was an assembly of these compressed fire logs in a way that you could pick it up, set it into place. The carrying case was the ignition source You'd light, the, you'd light the carrying case, it would burn for two to three hours without a problem. And again, we were repurposing uh, material from the curb. A couple other ideas, again, we entered um sea change with these ideas. And it sounds like you guys are familiar with the business model canvas. That was something that we worked with in uh, this business accelerator as well. And when you think about the key activities involved in what I just talked through, You're sourcing wood, you're chipping wood. If you stop, you have mulch. And literally, I got a pain in the back just thinking about mulch. You know, people buy tons and tons of mulch every year, and it's painful. Um, So we sort of took a step back and said, what if mulch was better, right? So, So you can kind of picture, you go to the garden center, you load up heavy, awkward bags under the cart, you pay at checkout, you move those heavy awkward bags into your car, you're overstuffing your car, driving home, then moving these heavy awkward bags to their final destination, ripping, o- ripping open a plastic bag, dumping haphazardly, spreading by hand or with a rake, and you think you're done. You have a beautiful landscape, ready to go, right? You're proud of all the, all the work that you did, and you have this sense of accomplishment, but you're not done. You still have to throw away all of that plastic waste you probably have to vacuum out your car because little bits have gotten all over the place and you don't want your, your car to smell earthy. Um, and you're probably reaching for either some Advil or a, a nice stiff cocktail to, to finish off the day as a result of the back pain. So we took a step back and said, well, what what would mulch look like in a perfect world? And, and I would encourage you guys to think about problems from this perspective. And to carry that through, the perspective is, what if? and no constraints exist, right? Money is not an issue, gravity doesn't work, the sky isn't blue, what is the, the Cadillac or the Tesla of the solution and what, what things would look like? And we decided that mulch would be easy to carry, fit conveniently in your trunk, actually prevent weeds, and the side note on that is when you think about a plastic bag of decomposing material sitting in your trunk, after sitting out in the yard at a big box store for a month or two half of the weeds that come that half of the weeds that grow up within a couple of weeks of you putting your new mulch down probably started in that bag it's a decomposing wet material it's a perfect breeding ground for weeds so we wanted to again design something that would actually prevent weeds and not contain them to begin with Um, We knew we wanted to deliver them in zero-waste packaging. We knew we wanted to deliver in a way that you weren't cleaning up bits and pieces of mulch uh, from your car, Um, and then, again, not worrying about, uh, I shouldn't say again, but one of the other things that we sort of later folded into this design was the idea of not opening a bag and looking down and seeing all this white mold in the middle of it. So Ohio and a few other Midwest states actually have a pretty big problem that if mulch sits out too long, you'll end up with white mold, which you know, not that dogs or kids should be eating mulch to begin with, but that's not good. It can, it can also uh, negatively impact uh, your plants and cause rot in trees. Um, so we sort of took these characteristics and thought, again, how, how can we deliver that? And so, having this compressed fire log on the mine took a step back and said, Well, you know, I've set tiles in place. Uh, maybe we can compress it. We'll, we'll, by compressing it, reduce the volume quite a bit. By taking a lot of the water out, we're, re- we're significantly reducing the weight that's involved. And you can picture just setting tiles in place, coming back, watering it. And one of the most interesting things about this was that. One of the biggest challenges with the smart log idea was that if it got wet, it would expand. And so we had to think about packaging it in a way so that that didn't happen, or we had to think about that in a way where if you went to go start a fire and it was drizzling out, your log would actually start to expand. So that challenge with the smart log actually became sort of the magic behind the demo video that you guys just saw. Um, So we're... Pretty proud of the fact that we're we're designing um, this product with a purpose. Um, I think design can be very purposeful. I do not have a design background. I don't have a, an engineering background. Uh, my dad was an engineer, so I like to think like one occasionally. But um, that only gets me as far as playing one on TV. I'm not an engineer. Um, but when you when you step back and really and, and take a thoughtful approach, you can incorporate some of these uh, solutions or aspects or characteristics into your final product. So again, for us, the big two were easy to carry and compact. So now you can fit all of your mulch in the back of your Honda Civic instead of taking multiple trips to the garden center. Um, On top of designing a, a solution that we thought would be better for the consumer, again, one of our values is designing better for the environment as well. So whether it's zero waste packaging or by taking a lot of the weight and the volume out of the product, we can actually deliver to a retail environment in a, uh, in a van, not in a massive semi-truck. So by doing so, you're saving some greenhouse gases along the way. Um, again, on the design side of things, We think that this is not an either-or proposition. You can design and take the right approach uh, to design both for your consumer and the environment or other stakeholders that you personally want to to involve in the process. Um, One side note for what it's worth, uh, and I get yelled at this occasionally when I'm sitting in front of my computer I have my legs up on my desk just staring off into space, Thinking is underrated. Don't be afraid to take some time, think, get your thoughts straight, push yourself, and, and again, try to get outside of your comfort, comfort box um, relative to what a solution might or could be. Um, so, how do we get here? Um, honestly, most days, I couldn't even tell you, um, it's been a blur. We entered the Sea change Accelerator, which was a three-month time frame. Uh, At the conclusion of that, we pitched and actually won some money through a pitch competition. We then pitched uh, to be part of the magnet incubator program and we were awarded funds through that as well or uh, compensatory funds through that as well. Um, From that, someone heard about us and we were invited to be a speaker at Startup Scale-Up Which is a great event. If you guys have not been, I'd highly encourage that. Um, Some some, uh, other fantastic press, uh, Cleveland.com did a a Manufacturing Tomorrow podcast, which was focused on, again, thinking about innovative solutions and and trying to drive manufacturing in Northeast Ohio and throughout all of Ohio. Um, And, um, you know, I'm, again, doing conversations with students all the time, whether it's LaunchNet at BW or Case. I'm thrilled to be here talking with you guys today and I'm kind of blowing through this presentation because I really want to hear more from you than you guys hearing from me. Um, so how did we get here? The second part of it, it's been a roller coaster. Um, one of the things that's, that I don't think is often talked about, particularly in the early days, again, you know, five years in, seven years in, you've probably figured some of these things out as a company. Um, the reality is that at this point, Point in our company's life cycle, things can change dramatically from one week to the next. Um, and most likely, you're having a one step forward, two steps back day. That's just how it goes. Um, so be prepared for that. Um, this is a fine picture of a roller coaster from, from Cedar Point. I think it speaks to, again, some of the highs um, and the lows. I, I, just had a high actually on the way here. I was talking to Kay. I received a, a Facebook message from someone who saw us at Sea Change and said, "Hey, are you guys going to be? Are you guys going to be um, available for sale this year?" And we saw you at Sea Change. It was inspiring. You guys were doing great things. Looking forward to being able to support you. Those are those are those sort of few and far between, and hopefully the trajectory of that kind of stuff increases. Um, but you have to be aware that you need to be able to manage through the ups and the downs and again early on there are probably going to be more downs and ups one suggestion um, would be think about finding a, a co-founder uh, I have not done that with smart Mulch. it's one of the things I would probably uh, I would probably change um, I would probably try to find someone who is complementary in skill set to me with some minimal overlap um, and um, that also creates uh, accountability you never want to let someone else down one plus one equals three all of that kind of stuff if you find the right co-founder you can, you can really advance much faster than trying to do it all yourself um, so a few additional unsolicited thoughts you guys are going to get You know my two cents um, and that's about what these will be worth but um, never stop learning I think it's it's great you guys are in school I was in school I left school for a while I probably didn't do enough continuing education Um, what I would tell you though is there are so many opportunities today to very quickly very easily learn something new And I would push yourself to get outside of your comfort zone. If you're an engineer, learn something about art. If you're a marketing major, learn something about engineering. I mean, push yourself and think outside of what you've been trained to do. The reality is, at least from what it sounds like going forward, you all will probably have three or four or five mini careers as you go from being... 20 to 65, or however late in life you end up working, um, so really push yourselves on that. And and the, the personal point of that comes from uh, there were three of us that were that are in a book club, and the only reason I knew anything about the what if question and the removing constraints was that we did a design thinking course on Coursera. So we get together typically about once every two to three months, we read a book. We go sit down at a coffee shop or grab a beer and debate and talk and and really try to again push our level of understanding of things that we're already comfortable with, but also again things that you've not exposed yourself to. So I would I would highly encourage that. Secondly, assumptions. Um, you know, there's a saying about this. You can you guys can look it up if you don't know what it is. Um, but as you think about, particularly on the product development side, and you think about understanding who your consumer is, who your market is, don't make assumptions. Um, look at, and in fact, I would encourage you to write out what are your most critical assumptions to the business, the concept, the idea, wherever you're at in wherever you're at in the course of your uh, company life cycle, and understand which of those are the most critical, and then design a specific experiment to prove or disprove those. So don't assume that people think a bag of mulch that's 50 pounds is heavy, right? Because for some people, it's not. For most people, it's heavy, it's awkward, but you can't assume that. Get out in the field, go do some work, understand what you need to prove and disprove, and even if you don't like the result of it, at least you know. Now you're informed and you can adjust and you can move the way that you want to um, take your company or your, or your product. For us, um, well I should say, know your customer, that's, that's paramount. Um, for us, obviously, we're targeting bagged mulch consumers, so people that are DIYers, currently buying bags of mulch, they probably have a small to medium sized landscape um, they're willing and able to pay for some of the convenience and the, the removal of backache that we think comes with Smart Mulch. Um, and again, point being here, dive into who your customer is. That's definitely an assumption that you don't want to make um, and do whatever you can to quickly, easily, cheaply prove or dif- disprove that you actually know your customer. One of the things that um, I'm gonna show in a second that I think for me was, was, was sort of an aha moment with Smart Mulch um, was the initial demo video that we did. And the, the point of this demo video was to get the concept out there, get feedback, understand how people would react to it, um, and again, try to do that as quickly, easily, cheaply, so what what you guys notice different about that video versus the first one? Anything jump out at you guys? It's more interactive. More interactive. The way
0: the the, the pieces on most of were like um, in that one, there was like some um, metal uh, that was underneath of it that wasn't um, just like randomly with it. There was like some type of um, like
1: covering that was on. Um, weed barrier. Um, yeah, underneath of it. Okay. You can see that more in one. Similar. Is there another? Comment no. And so, so the interesting thing about this video, it, again, with the purpose being try to well. So let me ask one more question. Did it still get you guys to the point of understanding what the value proposition was and how the product might work? Mm-hmm. F- fair enough. Okay. So that what you saw in that video was actually a piece of plywood with a picture of mulch downloaded from the internet glued to it, stapled to weed barrier backing. If you go back and watch that again, you can go to mulchsmarter.com backslash Hiram, you'll see that as the water is being sprayed, you don't see the mulch. The mulch isn't even in the picture. So this, this video that, that included this took maybe a maybe a day, maybe a day and a half to buy the materials, put everything together, shoot the corny video, I think at that time on my iPhone 5. um, It allowed us to put that video out there for people to see, for us to get feedback in a day and a half, right? Actually making that tile would have taken months. So we were very, very, very quickly able to get feedback and try to move things forward. Um, so I would I would definitely encourage you guys to think about that. I think um, I think SmartMulch is actually a really good example of that. The better example, which is where the inspiration came from, was Dropbox. So when you have a second, look up Dropbox fake demo video. You guys all know what Dropbox does, right? It's cloud storage. So their initial demo video is a desktop with you dragging a fake file into a folder. It didn't work, there was no cloud attached to that. But by showing a file being dragged into a folder that said cloud or Dropbox or whatever it said, people believed that that was being dragged into this, at the time, mysterious cloud storage where actually that file was stored in a cloud. Um, So I would again, I would push you guys, think about if you have an idea, how can you quickly get it out there so you can get feedback and decide what to do next? Because um, at this point, in, in at this point in your idea cycle, um, time is critical. Um, so feedback is feedback is important. Time is critical. Um, we're about to get to. Again, my favorite part, which will be your questions, as well as what you like about it, what you don't like about it, how we can improve it. Um, But I always like to, and this is a side note as well, when you have an audience like this, and I know you guys are here required as part of the class, but some of you are here and probably actually enjoy this. Um, When you have a group of people together, don't be afraid to make an ask. And you can frame that actually as an offer so my offer to you guys today is if you can connect us with a garden center a hardware store a grocery store or some other green channel where we can distribute and sell smart mulch you'll get one year of smart mulch free Um, so again obviously there's there's value in that to us so it's not like um, you know there's nothing tricky about this it's an offer it's really an ask We'd we'd obviously welcome your support. If you do have a relationship that sort of sounds like that and if it results in a partnership, fantastic. Um, The other offer is, um, I've done a fair amount of work uh, with college students and one of our advisors has done a fair amount of work with college students as well. So if you guys have an idea and you just want to kick it around, I'd be happy to talk. Um, and, And maybe it's, again, something like a demo video that fast tracks your idea or forces you to in a day and a half or two days get feedback Whereas you're you're overthinking and trying to perfect and you're not you know you're too worried about getting that idea out there before it's really really refined um, I'd be happy to talk with you guys about that and share my continue to share my experience with you um, in fact, I guess one quote that I don't think I said—I think it was in one of the slides—but you know, if you're if you're not going to market, or if you're not taking someone to a consumer to get feedback, and if you're not feeling slightly embarrassed about it, which for guys like me who grew up as a perfectionist, very difficult to do—but um, if you're not slightly embarrassed of what you're showing someone, you've probably overdone it. You've probably spent more time on that widget that product, that smart mulch tile, that smart mulch puck, whatever it is, you should have gotten feedback way before that. Um, So that's one other little tidbit of advice, I guess. Um, So with that, I mean, again, I want to hear what you guys like, what you think we can improve, fire away with questions, Um, and again, thank you guys.
0: Eric, I about talking to the homes you go to your product and do their stories? Only?
1: I have, and it scares the hell out of me because I don't think we'd be able to fulfill an order from them right now. But um, I, I, I would, I think eventually we'll we'll look at some of the big box side of things. I think initially our go to market though is again if you think back to who our consumer is or who we think our consumer is because again we're in the process of trying to prove that now. We think our consumer is someone with probably a little bit more discretionary income, someone who's buying bags, someone who is willing to pay for the value, which for us is convenience and ease of use. And oftentimes that's that's gonna be more of a an independent garden center, a hardware store. Um, there are some, some grocery stores that are more naturally focused. So I, I think that is probably a better fit for us today. Um, I think that also fits with um, for us, I think it also fits from an adoption curve perspective. So, um, I think the people that are at those garden centers, hardware stores, are probably more open to trying something new. Because again, we haven't gone to market. You can watch the video and you can probably understand well enough what's going on. But do you know enough about it today to buy it? That's you need to be you need to be open and interested in new things. And I think that fits better on the the independent small side. But I would love to get to Home Depot and Lowe's at some point. So Home Depot and Lowe's,
2: we'll talk to you in a couple of years. How long does it take you to uh, actually produce it, and is it hard to change the colors? So
1: let me uh, address the color side first. So we are currently not manufacturing the mulch ourselves. We're buying from a mulch yard, and that's been that has been very purposeful. We wanted to focus on where we think the where we think the smart mulch value add is, which is a, a, you know, taking that loose mulch and, and compressing it into tiles. Or again, what we're going to go to market with is actually pucks. Um, so we're already buying the mulch, dyed, it's ready to go, and then we just put it through our process. Um, in terms of how long it takes to make. Um, Let's talk afterward because there are a couple of different answers to that Um, and those answers have actually driven to an extent what we're going to go to market with, which actually I should have passed these out before, but so you guys can see the tiles compared to the pucks. We're actually going to be going to market with bags of pucks instead of the tiles. Um, And that again is also purposeful. We, We believe that the pucks are hitting the the core of our value proposition, which is again, lightweight, easy to carry, and compact, and fits easily into your car. Um, One of the big drivers for steering from the tiles to pucks is the production cost related. So we also wanted to go to market with something that is yes, going to be more expensive than mulch, because again, we're delivering some value, um, but not ridiculously more expensive than a regular vacuum. Good,
4: good question. So for like the piles or anything like that, if you were gonna say, need about half the size of that, or you had to be shaped like, so it could fit in a mod or something like that, yeah. is it easy enough to where you can just break it, or would you have to go like a saw, or what would you have to do Yeah, to break
1: that's, it? that's a good question. So there are a couple of ways that you could address that in that current form. um, You could snap it over your knee, most likely. Um, You could also water it separately and then move it into a smaller pot. Um, Longer term, though, there are several things that we want to incorporate into it, um, like stamping our logo into the top of the tile. And and again, this is all going to be based on what feedback we get from the market. We could stamp a logo into the, the pucks as well, which From a marketing perspective I think would be pretty cool Um, on the tile though as you think about it it's a square tile right so not many things in nature are linear Um, so you might be able to line it up against a straight sidewalk you might be able to line it up against the side of your house but as you get to those curves and the bends in your landscape that's not perfect Um, and we have a few ideas about incorporating brake lines into it as well so that if you did Need to accommodate a rounded area like this. You could just snap off, you know, a triangular portion on the side of it, and then more easily place it in. Did that answer your question? Yeah, it sounds
0: good. Okay. If there was, um, in terms of like environmentalists, have they ever like, did they ever like, come to you, like when you first started doing to see if it was, you know, environmentally friendly? Since you know, if at, I'm sure at first, some people thought, you know,
1: it sounds
0: like it wasn't like you know real mulch you were using.
1: Um it's a good question so we're asked a lot of times or we're asked quite often what additives are included Um, and as of the way that we're designing these right now there are no additives in addition so we're not using additional glue we're not using resin as a binder Um, that would probably be one of the the potentials for losing some of the environmental component of it so we're trying to stay as as natural um, as we can Um, trying to think of what else people are asking from the environmental side. Um, Sort of back to a couple of the things that we tried designing in, zero waste packaging is a big thing. So the reality of those plastic bags is that you probably could cut them off the top, dump your mulch out, and reuse that bag as a garbage bag. I don't know of anyone that does that other than me. so most likely you're throwing those plastic bags into the garbage, they're not recyclable. So the idea of either either, either having a recyclable package, a zero waste package where 100% of the packaging and the product goes into the landscape, you water it and it eventually degrades in the landscape. That's one of the things we're still working toward. Uh, we're, not, we're not there yet. Um, and then from the environmental standpoint, um, a lot of people will point out that, yes, uh, we don't need a massive semi truck because we're one fourth the size. We need vans instead of those semis, but there's obviously production or, or there's obviously power consumption related to our production process. We don't know exactly where that settles out yet, but we're we're trying to be as as low energy as possible both from uh, a cost perspective, but obviously also from the environmental perspective. Did that answer your question? Yeah, thank you.
2: Okay. So, uh, the lifespan of it, does it last as long as what you would get with normal mulch, or are you seeing less
1: of a So far, all the testing that we've done indicates that it's lasting at least as long. Um, I'm not ready to claim this. We're not gonna add it to the packaging yet, but if you think about it, that bag of wet mulch that's sitting in a big box store and it's out in the sun, wet, decomposing, that decomposition process started at the mulch yard. It was then bagged, it was then on a truck, it then sat in the big box yard for two months. Then you bought it, spilled half of it in your car on the way home, and then obviously got it home. So so during that whole process, the product is degrading. Whereas with our process, we, we essentially, um, put mulch into a hibernation status, so we stop that decomposition from happening as part of our process. Obviously, once it's watered, you know, you're reintroducing water, and, and that will begin the decomposition process again, but there's probably an argument, if we were to sit down and, and test, that our, our mulch lasts two to three months longer because we paused that, uh, that decomposition. Like I said, I'm not ready to claim that, and um, it's on the list of things to do, but as you can imagine, based on the way I've talked about it, there's a lot on the list of things to do, so, but it's, it's a good question. And at a minimum, we think it'll last at least as long. What else do you guys have? And what's the price difference between like, a regular
2: bag and a uh, smartphone?
1: So we are deciding that in the next week or two. Um so you can go back to mulchsmarter.com for an update. you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram as well. Um, we're trying to be as price conscious as possible from the standpoint that again um, is there anything ridiculously crazy about this? We're, you know we're not sending someone to the moon in a structure made of mulch. At the same time, it's going to be different right This isn't something that, most this isn't the way most people have been mulching their yards. So we know there's gonna be um, some hesitation on the product. We know there are additional costs that come into play from our side, and we're really trying to balance that. I mean, we're, we're definitely gonna be more expensive than a regular bag, mm-hmm. and for context, when you think about it, um, a, a bag of the lower grade stuff at a big box store is somewhere between 3 to $4. If you go to a garden center or a hardware store, that same bag, probably a little bit better quality, is somewhere in the five to seven dollar range. And that's still a 50 pound, two cubic foot bag that a lot of people struggle to carry. Um, so you know, we're, we're gonna probably be north of that. I'm just not sure yet. We're, we're finishing up some price analysis on that.
3: Weight wise, so you just said that a two cubic foot bag of traditional mulch is about 50 pounds. So if your pucks will expand to the two cubic foot, what is that weight?
1: Yeah, so so depending on, if if the regular bag of mulch is pretty wet, it'll be about 50. If it's moderately wet, it'll be about 45. Will be about 25 pounds. So not quite half, but um, at least 40% lighter than a typical bag. And again, the intent is to be about one-fourth the size. So sort, a little bit bigger than a 12-pack of cans is what we're targeting. And you can, you know, you can picture a big bag will, again, will be, will be significantly smaller than that. A lot easier
2: to fit in your car. Do you feel that you're going to have to uh, retool, or retrain uh, the consumer? Or are you going to have to do a lot of live demos to show off the product so they understand it? I, I, I think we will.
1: Um, you know, one of the parts of the go-to-market strategy is probably setting up a table or a booth similar to this, and walking people through how they expand, how you need to set them in place, what we think the value is. I think I think some of it, once you see the video, becomes a bit more apparent. Um, but I also love the idea of someone trying to pick up a fifty-pound bag and then pick up two of our packages one in each hand each weighing 25 pounds so I, I, I think it is going to be there's going to be an educational component to this um, like I said I think the video goes a long way but you know there are instructions that we'll need to build into um, how you disperse the pucks, how you water it all that stuff um, so yes I think there will be um, there will be a fair amount of time spent in educating and hopefully, um, consumers that like what we're doing will help educate other people too. So, is have a question too? Just totally.
0: In terms of like your um, overall life sales and stuff, like how, how far do you think it will be take for you guys to you know kind of go like you know over the country?
1: Uh, the short answer is I don't know. Um, What I will tell you is that we did a free sample. We ran a a free sample day. And um, we're actually going on a trip, set up the website so that you could sign up for your free sample, which allowed us to gather some information, name, email address, where they lived, obviously, um, the color preference. And then most importantly, it allowed us to send them a tile, have them use it and get feedback. Um, we ended up my my phone and this is sort of a goofy side story maybe hopefully maybe hopefully you don't run into this but um, our free sample was picked up by a bunch of free sample.com type websites and within an hour and a half we had 150 people sign up for a free mulch tile now part of that just says people love free stuff um, part of that also, though, means they were willing to give their name, their phone number, their email address, their address, their color preference, just to get this thing, just to try it out. So we ended up, as it as it ended up happening, um, we went back to a lot of those people and said, "I'm sorry, we can't fulfill this this order right now," um, and long story short, we ended up sending 40 samples to something like 24 different states. Um, So again, when you think about that, an hour and a half of people just seeing this, we had interest from 24 states, which um, I think also speaks to, again, the idea that even though people don't necessarily think of this as a major problem, because it's once a year um, you get through it, and then, like I said, you pop an Advil or you have a drink. It seems like it's a it's a problem that is occurring nationwide. Um, so I, I don't have a great answer to how quickly we'll get out there. I think you know our intent again at this point is to be pretty conservative in our in our estimates um, and really focus with with laser-like attention to what does the consumer like about it? What don't they like about it? How could we improve it? Um, which is probably a good segue to that. So what, what do you guys, thick skin, I, I wanna hear actually probably more about what you don't like about it, but wh- what do you guys like about it? What don't you like about it? What other questions would you have as a, if you put on your consumer hat?
4: If I were to walk by, a box of the tiles or pucks or whatever, I wouldn't even look at it twice just because of like how plain the boxing is. I think if you guys made it more of just like a visual, uh, like the box was more visually enticing, people might actually give it a second look. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, and then just, it kind of looks like the, like the office Thunder Mifflin box done on that I just think it would be more appealing. How, um,
1: and this is back to all of you, not just to you, but so, how, how would you do that? What would you include on the packaging, or how would you think about it? Mm, I don't know, just some kind of like,
4: more colors to it, I guess, or like, just like an actual little, like, tiny square sample of the stuff on the top so you can actually feel it and see what's inside the box instead of okay. just so taking over What's that? Do we see the packaging again? Uh,
1: so th- this is not our go-to-market packaging, but this is what we've been showing, which I agree with the 100%. It's, it's plain. It's um, you know, if we can zoom in. But the idea was basically easy as one, two, three, set it, let it, forget it. Um, which, you know, obviously I'm not a marketing guy, so. Do you think like a before and after picture would catch people's eyes? Because then, I mean, that mm-hmm. you have to like read it to understand what it does, but if they just yeah. look at a picture, it's like self explanatory. Yeah, I, I, I do. I think, um, you know, an image is worth a thousand words. I think if we could somehow have the demo video running right next to it. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that would, that would help even more, but a, 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 an image in the before and after, I think makes a lot of sense. I think the, which is this one, um, I think a size comparison also at least helps from an education, more from an educational perspective, not from a, um, hey, here's this shiny new box of mulch. But I, I agree with your, your comment. The before and after, I think, um, can be pretty compelling for people.
0: I know, like your whole point is like you know it's like less odor, like some like me kind of likes the smell of mulch here. Sure. That maybe having like kind of like a smell to it might you know just, you know like I feel like at the same time, even people who really don't like the smell because it can be overwhelming. Yeah. I think like when you're done and you take a break and you come back outside, I think it's nice to have that fresh smell. So I think maybe like having like you know a little bit of a smell won't you know because like you know, I agree you know like sometimes like, when you dump it and you get that you know wolf of it you know yeah. it's gonna be a lot. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, but since this really you don't have to dump it, you just put it down in and then water it. Yep. I Like having a, maybe a little bit of the smell could also, you know, maybe where you walk by, you have know, that fresh smell.
1: Yeah, and, and so this this is again I mean, back to the education comment question. Um, once you water it, it will go back to smelling like mulch. While it's in the package, though, on the way home, it won't smell like mulch, which. So for me, it's been really eye-opening. It's probably 50-50. Maybe 60 don't like, 40 do like the smell. I'm in the 60s, so I honestly didn't even think twice about it, Um, but so I think for us, the value proposition is, even if you, and again, I, I could be completely wrong about this too, but even if you like the smell of mulch in your yard, do you want your car to smell like mulch? And I think, Less people would say yes. I want my car to smell like mulch. So, but but so this is to the education comment, right? I mean, we need to we need to figure out how to message that in a way where it's not ambiguous. We're not leaving opportunity for um, for people to 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 think one thing when we're really trying to say the other. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and sometimes that's tough because there's there's a lot. Again, like I said, it's just compressed mulch, um, but there's a fair amount of stuff going on here.
2: So you you were talking about um, if the pucks get wet or like if it drizzles they start to expand. Mm-hmm. Storing seems to be kind of hard though, because you would have to keep it in because normally it would stay in a, a shed or a gar- or a garage where it typically can become damp. Right. And some people do it, you know, half at a go so they don't have time to do their like whole yards and stuff. Yeah. Or keep extra. Like is it going to be like, a, like almost like a waterproofing type of a
1: package that you're going to be doing or? so it's it's more um direct moisture so even a cardboard or a paper package similar to like how you how you would buy a pack of charcoal mm-hmm. as long as you can submerse that we should be okay um, these pucks will pick up some moisture from the air if it's damp outside but they're not gonna fully expand. They really, need a, a, um, they really need to be exposed to direct water as a result. The other interesting thing about what you just said, and Kay and I talked about this, you know, when you, when you listen to people talk about something, they may just be used to it being that way. So I, I heard you say, and I agree with you, some people will do half their yard today, half their yard tomorrow. I asked the question, why? why wouldn't you just do it all in one day is it because of the backache is it because it's heavy you know what what's driving that behavior and i hope for some of those people this would help solve that problem but but it's you know even just again listening to you to to you say it that way ask it that way it's this underlying problem that it's taking me two days to do my yard Mm -hmm. so Anyway, I I appreciate the the question. Again, I'm giving you guys way more than two cents of stuff. but um, Twenty years from now, you'll look back and you'll think I was crazy. So, uh,
3: um, you know, most people will look at this and go, okay, your product is mulch. It's mulch, you know. But really, your business is, you're a manufacturer. Yeah. And so, working out those processes, I mean, because some people might look at this and go, how tough can selling mulch be? But you have this whole manufacturing process that you're working out. So can you talk maybe a little bit about that and how, you, you know, on the fact that you went from square tiles to pucks and
1: why? Sure. Um- so there's a, there's a lot in that question um, and even more in the answer. So to, so to hit that I think in a couple of different points, the way that mulch is typically made or processed, um, you have trees or fallen limbs that are chipped. Those are then colored. They then sit in a pile with the intent to compost them so that the center of the pile heats up to a certain temperature to then burn off any of the weed spores and other bacteria and other things that are in that pile. So that is intentionally happening. They will rotate that pile um, so that it doesn't get too hot, which that pile can combust. So that is the mulch making process. The next step for a traditional bagger is bag the mulch, throw it on a truck, send it wherever it's going that first part of it, we currently don't want to be doing. We want to be spending our time on what we think is the value-add manufacturing component, which is we're we're, uh, dehydrating, we're compressing, we're we're putting it into a form that we think will work for the consumer, Um, and again, believe it or not, there's a fair amount of equipment you need a facility and that's after all the all the logistics involved in having mulch dropped and where is it going to be while you're waiting for it to dry and it's it's actually i mean to your point it's like i said we're we're focused on the middle piece of it which is adding that value we could probably insert our product back into a regular mulch main or traditional mulch manufacturers distribution and sales process um There's a lot that happens in this narrow window and and there's a lot that happens on both sides of it. But um, we talked a little bit about the the tiles versus the pucks. Um, Some of the consideration for moving from a tile to, a puck was driven by the cost of the equipment required to make the tile. So we made a pretty conscious decision to um, use a machine that we were able to rent to make the pucks as opposed to having to design and build our own equipment which then would have driven our cost up as we would have gone to market so um, a lot of our decision was cost-based in in trying to maintain uh, an attractive price point relative to the value for the consumer it also simplified a little bit of the the technology involved at least from the standpoint of us having to build it Um, the interesting thing for me about, again, mulch is, it, it is what it is. It's a ground cover, it's chipped up wood, it's dyed, whatnot. Um, we sat at a primarily software and technology-driven event and had a booth competing against, I think it was 42 other teams. Again, most of them were either healthcare software um, software as a service in general. There were a few technology, uh, I should say, a few non software based technology companies. And people that were at this expo were allowed to walk around and vote on the companies. And, you know, again, you can maybe say that it's a stretch to talk about Smart Mulch as a technology, even though there is engineering and, and equipment involved in it. Um, we ended up coming in second place out of those 42 teams based on what people walked around and saw. And again, technology, technology is great, um, but sometimes, um, sometimes I guess a little compressed mulch just uh, appeals to people, um, mm. or is at least relatable to people. So I'm not sure if that fully answered your question, Kay, but, um Anyway, actually the other other point I was gonna make was that when you think about this, we're a value add manufacturer now. If you think about three years, five years, 10 years down the road, maybe we've designed and patented the equipment that makes this. And now we are not a mulch value add manufacturer, but we are an equipment manufacturer. And now we sell that equipment to Every mulch yard that's in the country. Um, so there, there are a variety of different ways that this could go. We've tried to think about a lot of them, um, with again recognizing that it's it's great to be it's great to be thinking farther out, but re- remaining focused on near-term priorities, which again for us is taking these pucks to market to prove or disprove that consumers are willing to pay for the product. What else do you guys have? What what else? What else don't you like? What else could we improve? Our packaging stinks. <laughs> Marketing stinks. What else, what else could we be doing better?
2: Have you considered selling directly to the consumer instead of like going to stores and whatnot? And by consumer, I mean like um, lawn care companies and whatnot like that instead of the stores?
1: Yeah, so, so we have, um, and at where I initially thought you were going to go with that was, would we be selling online and shipping direct to consumer? That's uh, the other Which we've, we've looked at that. There's still, even though we're taking out over 40% of the weight, there's still, a, there's still potential that that's a, too much of a weight issue. Um, that said, if you go on Amazon, Amazon is selling bags of mulch for 18 to $25. And maybe they're not selling, but but they're at least listed for that. Uh, we'd be able to deliver ours significantly less than that, but it would still be at a, at a significant premium because of the shipping that's involved. Um, and to your actual question, for me, the initial market is DIY consumers, because I think we compete best with bags of mulch, which more consumers are buying bags of mulch there are certainly some lawn care people that are but in a lot of cases the lawn care and landscape maintenance companies are buying truckloads of mulch um, which for us i think is more difficult to compete with given our process good, good question well okay well i want
3: to thank you mike for coming thank out Very interesting. I mean, mulch, yard work, and technology. I mean, combining those two make for a very interesting product. And and as one who's laid mulch in her yard um, every summer, I can greatly appreciate the value add of your your product because I Break don't it. enjoy having that back gate when I'm done. So thanks again. And if anyone wants to go up and talk with. Uh, mic afterwards, please feel free to do so. Thank you.